Welcome to the Unity Works Podcast, where we'll share positive insight on today's topical and sometimes controversial topics. The discussion is shaped through the lens of unity and acceptance while focusing on our community, families, and the workplace. Life works better when we come together. Here's your host, Daryl Ross. Hello and welcome to the Unity Works Podcast. Just thrilled that you're here. I'm your host, Daryl Ross. Today, we're talking about unity in the division. Yeah, I know we are one divided nation. In our last episode, we talked all about the power of the vote. I went as far as to give you a quote from the musical Hamilton. If you haven't noticed, I'm a big fan. (laughs) Okay. But this is a great quote from Alexander Hamilton. He said, we studied and we fought and we killed for the notion of a nation we now get to build. I love that. And I believe part of that is voting. I think voting is a rite of passage. And you know what? In 2020, our nation showed up. I'm so proud. I'm such a huge proponent of voting. But first, let me say this. This is not a Trump comment or a Biden comment. This is an American comment. We have to count all the votes. Look, I know it's uncomfortable. And I understand this will feel like I'm, you know, making a stab at the Trump supporters. I'm really not. You have to understand it's uncomfortable because this was different. This entire election was different. You know, usually, and go back to my last episode, on average, the last 50 years of presidential elections, we've averaged 55.5% turnout. That's it. Not that much. Now, look, in recent years, We've been closer to the 60% mark, a little higher, but that's it. So if you're only hitting around 55% to 60%, then typically you're going to get your results in that night, maybe the next day, especially if only 20, 30% are mail-in ballots. The other 70 are, you know, walk up. Well, it's a little different, but this was a different time in our lives. This was a different election, there is a pandemic. We have to understand over 200,000 people have now died from COVID. So many states were protecting themselves to allow citizens to send mail-in ballots. And now I'm in Florida. I got to tell you what, I'm proud of my state. We really knocked it out of the park because we had the mail-in ballots, absentee, military, of course, walk up, and we still were pretty much done on election night. The reason why? Florida law allows the mail-in ballots to be opened early. Think about that. We've already noticed that it takes longer to process the mail-in ballots. So it only makes sense to get started on that sooner. So all the states that had mail-in ballots that started sooner were much more ahead of the curve. States like Pennsylvania have a state law where they can't even open the mail-in ballots until election day. Well, it just makes sense, gang. They're going to be behind. So when I see online, many of my, you know, Republican friends say they feel like the election was stolen or they're cheating. The Democrats are are cheating. Bottom line is no one's cheating. It's that, yes, Trump went up first. He asked all his supporters to walk in and vote. Right. And they did. Tremendous turnout. And they walked up. So in many states, he went up early as the mail-in ballots were counted then it started to shift. And what I'm saying is we have to count all those votes. 
I'll tell you about someone that I know, served 35 years in the army, went to Vietnam, wounded in battle, got a purple heart, served with integrity and with grace and great skill, and he mailed in his ballot. And I know about this because that's my father. My father, my mother mailed in their ballots. So I know you're not saying that my father's ballot should not be counted or that it's cheating, right? Come on, we're better than that. I got friends in Pennsylvania and Allegheny County got 8,000 ballots from the military just like yesterday. We're not really saying we shouldn't count those, right? Of course not. It just feels uncomfortable that the lead was so high and these ballots come in later. But yes, we have to count those. We're America. We count the ballots. And I would say this, if it was Trump leading or Biden leading, I don't care. I want the votes counted. And once again, if you don't believe me and how I feel about voting, go back, listen to episode 20. That is me. I am all about voting. I think we should make it easier to vote for sure. But bottom line is, as long as it's legal, I want it counted. Now, I know some people are saying, well, there's some irregularities. And I got to tell you something, little, little inside information that happens in every election. Go back to, look, I can bore you stiff with every election. There are some irregularities. Now, if something's illegal, I'm all for uh, Trump suing or having it go to a higher court. I've got zero problem with that. Anything illegal, absolutely crack down on that. But irregularities, some mishaps or mistakes, look, try to correct those, but that's different than cheating. So part of my goal in finding unity in this division is first, we have to find the common ground that no one cheated, that we are counting the votes and it matters. You know, President-elect Biden received more votes than any other candidate in the history of our nation. That is awesome. But get this, gang, President Trump received the second most votes than any other candidate in the history of our nation. So what does that mean? It means we are extremely divided. First, there is all kind of joy in the streets from Biden supporters, but understand this, there's extreme anger from Trump supporters. To that end, we must understand this. The Trump campaign, they're launching lawsuits and they feel this election is not over. The Biden campaign is moving forward. They believe the American people have spoken. So what can we do to find unity within all this division? You know what we can't do? We can't take the attitude of, hey, we won, so we're doing things our way. Look, gang, we've been doing that for decades, haven't we? Both sides have been doing that, and it doesn't work. So let me give you the Unity Works top four on how we can really find unity within this division, all right? So number one, politically speaking, your number one concern isn't everyone's number one concern. I know that sounds like common sense, but I can't tell you how many arguments we can avoid. We can avoid unfriending people, them unfriending you, because they're not following along with what makes you most passionate, right? No lie, I got a message from a, a friend on Facebook, in my instant message, by the way, and he wanted me to sign his fracking petition, right? And got mad at me when I didn't want to get involved. I'm like, look, that's not my number one concern. That's not even in the top five, right? And it's okay. But 
he has to understand that I have my number one concerns. I think part of the reason we have so much this animosity towards each other is that we think that we're all on the same page with different issues. And we're not. Some people find that climate is the only issue. That if you're not on board with that, then get out of my face, right? Or some people believe that if you're not on board with the economy and lowering taxes, then that's it. By the way, I think we all want lower taxes. It's more like how we're going to get there, right? But bottom line is, we are not all on each other's page. You know what's kind of funny? A lot of folks don't realize I am just a big proponent of educators. I love working with youth. I think teachers are fantastic. One of my big issues, believe it or not, I want teachers' salaries to skyrocket. No lie. Not for just the teachers now. And yes, they need money too. They need a bigger salary also. But I also want it to open up to other citizens who would love to teach, have a heart for it, have a gift for it, but maybe financially just can't make that work because teachers don't get paid enough. I want it to be 80, 90, 100 grand a year. Yes, I know it's crazy. I'm dead serious. Imagine that. Imagine teachers' starting salary was 102 per year, right? I mean, that'd be fantastic. You'd get the best of the best. I think it's the most important thing in our country, educating our kids. And right now, we have some fantastic teachers, and we're paying them peanuts and expect the world, right? So I think that's important now. That's not your number one concern, I guarantee you. And by the way, I guess you all know from my photo, I'm black, all right? So I get a lot of people who try to tell me what my number one concern should be as a black man. No lie. I get arguments with white people, black people. You tell me, you should be for this. Well, maybe I am. It's not my top five. All right. Don't tell me what my concern should be. So I see it all the time that if I'm not following your number one concern, then we can't be friends. So let's deescalate. And remember, everyone's concern isn't the same. Doesn't make me better or worse. Just we're all different and we're allowed to be. All right. Number two, acknowledge and listen to understand each other's point of view. Let me say that again. Acknowledge and listen to understand each other's point of view. I've mentioned that before as far as listening to understand. We typically listen to respond, don't we? Let's be honest. You know, someone's talking about their political point of view and maybe we're quiet, but we're waiting for our moment to jump in with our hand grenade, aren't we? So I'm just saying, Let's just stop doing that. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to have our take? Maybe listen to their point of view. And here's the big one. Acknowledge. Acknowledge where they are and how they feel. I'm going to do it right now. Okay, here we go. I'll start with the Trump supporters out there. Right. Trump supporters. I mean this with all my heart. You are not racist. I'm going to say it again. I know you're probably thinking, oh, my God, he say that. Yes. Trump supporters you are not racist. I can only imagine how frustrating it is to be made to feel that you're racist because of your point of view and you are somehow a white supremacist. All right. It's not fair. And I get it. I get that people vote on many different issues, especially on the right. The right really Roe versus Wade is a big deal right? The economy is a big deal. Taxes, a big deal. There are many reasons why you're supporting not just Trump, but the Republican Party in general. However, Trump supporters, you have to understand that pockets of white supremacy 
that type of hate tends to find solace in Trump's America. All right. Again, I'm being fair on both sides. I'm saying you're not racist. What I am saying is the racist people out there, the white supremacists out there, they find, you know, some comfort under the arms of President Trump. And it reads to many people. You know, I think it's funny that the big discussion whether Trump denounced white supremacy or not. Well, you can find some footage where he kind of said, you know, I don't stand for anything like that. It was very kind of watered down. And I laugh because if any of you have kids and you've had to make one apologize to the other. Okay. So in my house, my son's the oldest. He's 13. Our son, sorry, Jennifer, our son's 13 and our daughter's 11. And sometimes they both act up. There's no, you know, no one's got the upper hand on acting up. But in this case, it's my son who has the hardest time. So he'll act up and we'll say, apologize to your sister. And he'll do one of these. I'm sorry. You know, all right. Like it's the worst apology ever. There are times we have to make him do it again. Like apologize to your sister. Like it's like that. So I'm laughing because that's what it feels like when President Trump would denounce white supremacy. Like, like it kind of feels like that. So understand Trump supporters that that's real to some people. So I'm acknowledging it's not fair for you to be lumped in to being racist. I absolutely get that. But you have to get that true white supremacists follow him, like him. He really doesn't denounce them to the point to where we feel like it's genuine. And I tell you why I say that, because we've seen Trump go after people, haven't we? We've all seen it. Part of the thing I think people like about him is that he goes for it and he will call you out in front of everybody, in front of the press, on the microphone, on Twitter. He will call you out when he really believes something. And he's never done that. Wouldn't you agree? So that's why it's a challenge. Also, Trump supporters, I'm going to give you some dabby, right? Learn that word from us last week on this episode. Dabby, giving you credit. I agree the economy pre-COVID was looking good. It's fair to say Trump made some good decisions to boost our economy. I absolutely give you credit for that. And you should be proud of that. I think we can learn some areas to where we can continue some of those policies. With that, Trump supporters, you have to understand that managing COVID is part of the economy. Look, over 200,000 people have died from the impacts of COVID. And to further boost the economy, we need to get a hold of COVID. We want people to go back to work. When our kids back in schools and activities full time, we have to get a hold of COVID. And look, it now appears that the White House chief of staff and some of the aides have contracted COVID as well. It doesn't feel like President Trump really wants to get a hold of COVID. He wants to say comments like, it's going away. We're rounding the corner. He doesn't even go to, from what I understand, the COVID briefings anymore, right? He wants to fire Fauci. It's not on his top priority list. And this is an area where it matters. It does affect the economy. So when I say I give him credit for boosting the economy, he has to take responsibility for COVID as far as just taking a hit on the economy. It's all connected. All right. So Biden supporters, like I gave Trump supporters a little bit of, you know, good and bad. Here's some of yours. Biden supporters, you are not socialist looking to turn America into Cuba. 
Okay, I know it's frustrating for Biden supporters when they are being told that they don't love America. Of course they do. They just want America to work for them, too. All right. Biden supporters do not want to kill jobs and tax you to death. But yes, they are interested in climate change. So it is a question of how are we going to get there? But like I gave Trump supporters a little bit of medicine, I want to give Biden supporters some medicine, too. Biden supporters have to understand that some of the pockets of socialism that really lean towards really extreme progressive find solace under the arms of Democrats. Much like I was saying that, you know, some racist white supremacist factions in our country find solace under Trump. Look, some extreme ideas are definitely in the Democratic Party. I have two kids coming up. They're not in college yet, but they're on their way. And I'm aware that college is expensive, but I'm not on the train Bernie Sanders that all college should be free. I know how it's going to work. <laughs> you know, someone's going to pay for that. It's going to be what's going to happen to our education system. Look, I'm not proud of everything with all the financials of education, but that's not going to work. I'm not in that camp. I think it's too extreme. Now, do I think we can make college and universities more affordable? Absolutely, right? Loans have ballooned out of reach, but free is not the answer. And also, some of the extreme left believe that just tax the 1% and all of our problems will go away. That's not going to happen either. You know how I know? Use a calculator. You cannot tax them enough to fix all the budgetary issues in America. So should they pay their fair share or at least should we check in to make sure they are paying income tax in the first place? Sure. But the whole idea of just taxing the 1% will fix the budget and fix the economy. That's not exactly accurate. So I think both sides got to realize that we have to own part of the challenge. So acknowledge and listen to understand each other's point of view. I think we'd be so much healthier as a nation if we just can do that. Number three, de-escalate your comments online. All right. De-escalate your comments online. I think it's just so sad that we can be, you know, friends throughout the years, you know, kids growing up and you know, birthdays and anniversaries, and then politics make us unfriend each other, and we see a different side of each other. And I can't tell you how many comments I read on social media where people on both sides are just going way too extreme, all right? So within this one, here are a couple of bullet points. Um, One, don't copy and paste the first thing you see that supports your point of view. I can't tell you how many things I've seen that are just utterly wrong, and you see it, and it speaks to you because that's what you feel like happened and boom, you post it. And I tell you what, go on a few fact checking sites, including Snopes, and you'll go, oh, that was a total, you know, complete made up fabricated story. So all we're doing is perpetuating the same type of negative energy. So let's be away from that. Look, with the exception of horrific actions, you know, like I think we all can agree, you know, rape, murder, Anything against kids is just horrific. So other than that, don't start any of your comments by saying, I don't see how anyone can, and then your story. See, don't don't do that. The minute you do that, you've put me on the defensive, or I put you on the defensive because you're actually attacking me as a human. You're attacking my core. 
I don't see how anyone, if you follow that type of policy, then unfriend me, stuff like that. Really? I am allowed to have my point of view without being um, just totally attacked. And now we can't even be friends. So I think it matters. Let's just de-escalate our comments. I'm sure you've seen this before where to give you a visual, someone makes a comment on Facebook or Twitter, wherever, and it's like stacking wood and they pour gasoline, then step back two feet and kind of, you know, a subtle light the match and then kind of, you know, what are we doing? What what are we doing? And then almost act offended when people are lighting up the social media feed. Well, I think that is one of those things we're escalating the comments. And even though you're passionate about something, if we're looking for unity, if we're looking for a way we can have common ground, let's stay away from the gasoline. And part of de-escalating comments, I got to say this because this is for my Christian brothers and sisters out there. I am Christian. I don't hide it. I wear it on my sleeve. I'm very proud of it. But Christians, we have to stop kind of acting like God is for the Republican Party, all right? Or sometimes I see God's for the Democratic Party because it's a party of, you know, diversity and all that. No, no, no. God's not for either party. He's for his people. He's for love. I, I think it's funny that we have Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah, we do. We have a really hard time doing those. God is not up there pulling for Biden or pulling for Trump. This is not where our Lord and Savior falls. He's for his people. He's for love. And I think sometimes I see Christians kind of posting up some scripture as if they have the moral high ground with politics. No, we actually realize now that really separation of church and state is probably a good idea. Neither one has the ear of God more than the other. And I'm saying that with a genuine heart. And I am a Christian saying that to Christians, we got to stop that. None, none of us have the moral high ground with God. All right. Number four, embrace the power of working together. I know it sounds crazy, right? In every industry, we are expected to work together, aren't we? Different departments, team members, students, families, and yes, our country. Our country is better. We work together. We've moved into a very dark and negative place that says, if you don't agree with me, you're my enemy. You're not going to ask it, says who? When did that start? Why are we choosing to believe that? Why can't we work together? And by the way, Republicans just know Mitch McConnell actually has a good working relationship with President-elect Biden. He does. So has it crossed your mind that maybe, just maybe, they'll work together pretty well and it'll be for the benefit of the country. I've heard many great leaders say that we have much more in common than that which separates us. And here are a few off the top of my head. Um, we all want safety, don't we? Both parties want safety. We want our children to be healthy and have opportunity. We all want to, you know, have homes and live the American dream. We hopefully, you know, if I can say this, want low interest rates. <laughs> I threw that in for Daryl, right? Uh, I think we do want a clean environment. And anyone who lives near, you know, forests, lakes, rivers, you know, we need a clean environment. It matters. I think we do agree that colleges should be more affordable. I think we agree our men and women in the military should have every piece of equipment, weapon, body armor that we can give them. I think we all want a robust economy and jobs. I think we all want COVID gone, right? Now look, I understand it's 
really matters how we're going to get there. But don't forget, it's really more important to us agree that these things are important. Remember, there was a time when blacks couldn't vote. Women, you couldn't vote. Forget about how we're going to get there. You weren't allowed to. So I think it does matter that we at least come to an agreement on, yes, that matters. Yes, blacks should be able to vote. Yes, women should be able to vote. Now, same thing with these issues. It matters we agree that those are even important. That alone tells us we have many more things in common. So, quick recap on how we can find unity within this division. Number one, your number one concern isn't everyone's number one concern. Remember that I have things I'm focused on, things you're focused on, and mine aren't better or worse than yours, and yours aren't better or worse than mine. It's just we're all different, and we're allowed to feel that way. Number two, acknowledge and listen to understand each other's point of view. I really think it's a big foundation of finding unity that we stop listening to respond, you know, jump in real fast, and really try to listen to understand how it makes them feel, all right? Number three, de-escalate your comments. Look, we got to stop that, especially on social media. Stop unfriending people and stop the ultimatums. If you don't believe this, then come on. Look, stop putting me in a box where I have to now defend myself as a human, okay? Let's de-escalate our comments. Number four, embrace the power of working together. I think we lost that and we can bring that back. We don't have to believe that Republicans and Democrats can't work together. They absolutely can. So we do it all the time in business, in schools, in families. We can do it in politics as well. Look, it's time. We've been doing this for so many decades. Why not try a different way? Why not go into this thinking, what if the Republican Party and the Democratic Party really could work together for the benefit of all the people? I don't take some time. A lot of hurt feelings still. A lot of folks are upset. But there's a moment here. There's an opportunity here. And we can do this together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share with a friend. You know, even in all of this division, we can find unity. Life works better when we come together. Talk to you next week. Bye.